We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, March the 7th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. On March 7, 1965, a march by civil rights demonstrators was violently broken up at the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. The state troopers and a sheriff's posse in what became known as the Bloody Sunday. That's remembered every year. People, activists, and other leaders march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma. I think I saw the president down there. I don't know if he knew he was there, but I think I saw him down there in some of the pictures the other day, marching across the bridge along with other activists. Today in 1876, Alexander Graham Bell received a U.S. patent for his telephone. Today in 1911, President William Howard Taft ordered 20,000 troops to patrol the U.S.-Mexican border in response to the Mexican Revolution. Can Does anyone have Howard Taft's phone number? I mean, could we call him and maybe get him to come back just for a couple of days to the White House? I'm kidding. Man, if they could do it then, why can't we control our border now? Well, they... The easy answer and the obvious answer is we don't want to. Leadership in America today has a very different view than a lot of us hold as far as the sovereignty of this nation. We hold a biblical view of national sovereignty. They hold a globalist view that is contrary to God's plan for humanity and sovereign nations. Very, very different. Today in 1916, the Bavarian Motor Works, BMW, they had their beginning in Munich, Germany. They started out as a company that made airplane engines. Then they morphed to cars later on. Today in 1926, first uh, successful transatlantic radio telephone conversations took place between New York and London. Today, in 1936, Adolf Hitler ordered his troops to march into the Rhineland. That was uh, in defiance. In fact, that broke the uh, Treaty of Versailles. Today, in 1975, the U.S. Senate revised its filibuster rule, allowing 60 senators to limit debate in most cases instead of the previously required two-thirds of the senators present. I was reading this morning in the book of Psalms, and I came across this verse that I know well, and you probably do too, but let's just share it again. Psalm 33, 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. That is a profound statement by the God who created everything that exists. All that is was made by God. 
And God tells us that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. In Exodus chapter 23, verse 22, the Bible says, But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. What God is saying is, I'm on your side. If you will trust in me and if you will commit yourself to me and follow me and follow my word, I'm on your side. I will look out for you. I will be an enemy to your enemies. That's comforting because we all have enemies and certainly America and freedom and virtue and liberty and all of the things that our country stands for has enemies. Some of them without China. Some of them are within. And they move around, as Cicero wrote, they move around as one of us. They're not they're not easy to identify often. But they are among us, the enemy within. The enemy that does not believe in an America that our founders believed in. An enemy that does not want to see America continue as a godly, blessed, prosperous nation. They want it to become part of a global community with a few at the top. And they generally see themselves as one of the few. Tucker Carlson sort of blew the lid off things last night on television. Did you see that? Millions did. I watched it, and uh, Marjorie and I watched it together, and uh, it's pretty stunning. It's the video. It's not words. It's not somebody writing a commentary for for Tucker, although they, I think he writes his own, actually. But this was just visual. It was the government's video. It was video that the committee, Liz Cheney and those guys, didn't want you to see. Now we know why, if you saw it. The Democrats knew that Capitol Police Officer, this Brian Sicknick, had not been murdered during the Capitol riot. They call they call this a deadly riot, a deadly riot. When they say those words, and they say them often, every time they talk about it, I think this will cool their jets a little bit. But every time they talk about it, they call it the deadly, deadly riot. I'm not in any way condoning anyone who broke windows or glass or did harm to the building or whatever. Not at all. I don't think they should have done that. But boy, there was another another storyline there that we didn't see in the press. In fact, the press went to great lengths to cover it up and skip over it. They produced Liz Cheney and those guys that were running the, the so-called J6 hearing about the riots, the deadly riots, they produced those just like a TV movie. In fact, the guy that produced them does produce and has produced movies for ABC. And that's exactly what it was. It was cut and spliced and edited to where it gave you a, a very different story than much of what was going on in the Capitol. As you know, I mentioned on this program, and I'm sure you've heard in other places, Tucker Carlson obtained nearly 41,000 hours of previously unreleased, just raw footage of the Capitol riot that had been suppressed by the Democrats. 
it was only available now because the Republicans are in power in the House, and Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, gave the the access to the these 41,000 hours. He has the power to do that now. He gave it to Carlson and said, "Make tell the people. He said, it's a very different story. The Democrat-run January 6th committee had released only what it wanted the public to see, even deceptively editing out the, the footage by to the frame. It was amazing to me to support claims of an insurrection. I'm not suggesting it should have happened. I'm not condoning what happened as far as the violence there at the, at the Capitol. That, too, is on video. I'm not in all in favor of that. I, in fact, I, I abhor that. We should not be trying to tear down our capital. And there were some that were doing that. But, man, most of the people were walking around in there looking, and some of the Capitol police were guiding them around and showing them, you know, like you could see them with their hands, and they were talking to these people, and they were showing them this and showing them that, and people were walking around. They weren't breaking anything. I mean, I sat there stunned as I just watched the video. I don't even remember what Tucker was saying. He was talking, but I was just watching the video and say, where did this come from? Carlson said that the full footage, which the media has only demanded access to now, since it was given to him, proved the opposite of what they've been saying. And it does. While some people were violent, the vast majority of the people in the Capitol were not, and many, I think, might have believed that they were doing, they were legal and they were protesting or whatever, and they were also curious. Probably a lot of them had never been in the Capitol before, and they're walking around. They look like tourists, not terrorists. I mean, it's amazing. In the case of this Brian Sicknick, they're always, and I, I mean, God bless his family. I mean, they, he did die. But he didn't die. He wasn't killed in the insurrection. There's video. There's feet and feet and minutes and minutes of video. Long after they said he was killed in the riot, he's running around assisting people and showing people, pointing out different places in there. I mean, you can see him on the video. He isn't dead. He's alive. He's very healthy and he's running around. He did die, but he died of natural causes. He wasn't killed by rioters in, the, in there, and they've made a big deal out of this. In fact, President Biden and Jill Biden, you know, honored his his remains the other day. I mean, man, I I thought I had seen it all in the deception, but what, that was very very eye opening to me. Uh, I understand uh, Carlson and Tucker Carlson's going to run some more video tonight on his program, and for, he's going to do it for two nights, last night and tonight. And I'll be watching that just to be informed. I mean, it's 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 jarring to the senses. And I look at a lot of news and a lot of video and so on. New York Post says this morning, the New York Post, not the Times, newly revealed surveillance footage from January 6, 2021, shows two Capitol Police officers escorting Jacob Chansley. Who is Jacob Chansley? Well, Jacob Chansley is that behorned uh, kind of so-called QAnon shaman, you know, the guy that looks like a Viking. He's running around. He's got paint on his face and everything. I mean, I, I have a very, very different view of him. I mean, I, I, I've just from what I've seen, I wasn't there, and I certainly don't know this guy. But I had a very different view of him before than I had after. Not what 
Tucker Carlson necessarily said, although I was listening to him, just the video, the visuals. This guy has come to symbolize the riot because he the optics are right. He has he wears this helmet and has horns on it. He looks like a Viking to me. I don't know a lot about QAnon, but I I know that that what Vikings look like because I've seen pictures of the way they were supposed to look. And this guy, that's what he looks like is a, is a kind of a Viking to me. But anyway, in this in the footage that was aired last night, the New York Post is pointing out that it shows officers closely following uh, Chansley as he kind of wanders in the quarters in the Capitol. He's bare-chested. He's wearing his face paint and that, that hat with the Viking horns. And uh, the, the Post says virtually every moment of his time inside the Capitol was caught on tape. And, it, and of course, Carlson has access to all of that, thanks to Speaker Kevin McCarthy for doing so, and, and rightly so. It's the right thing to do. But the tapes show the Capitol Police never stopped Jacob Chansley, and they're walking around with him, and they're talking to him. And one in one of the video segments, they're walking down the hall. I mean, you can't hear what they're saying, but you can kind of hear voices, you know, in the background, kind of ambient noise. And uh, they're talking to him. I mean, why aren't they arresting him if he's kind of the face of this riot? They're not. They're not even trying to. And they walk by a group of, uh, I think there were about seven other cops in a group, and they were standing there talking in some corridor in the in the Capitol. And they stopped. And this Chansley guy, the, the Viking guy, he stopped with the two cops that were kind of like guiding him around and showing him stuff. And they went to one door, and it was locked. So they said something to him, and the three of them, the two cops and, and, and the Viking, Chansley, they moved. They moved down to another door and they opened it for him and was kind of like showing him what was in there. I mean, it is stunning. I wouldn't believe it if I didn't know that was the actual video from the cameras in the capital of the United States of America. It is not at all the way it's been presented. Yes, there was violence. There was. But man, the people that they have made symbols of what was supposedly going on inside the Capitol is very different than the way the press has presented it. NBC is all over this this morning. They are calling Tucker Carlson all but a liar. They may be using that word. I don't know. But, I mean, they are trying to demean and undermine and take him on and bring him down and Fox News and blah, 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 and on it goes. They don't want that out there. That's not their narrative. And I'm sure the other, the other news, uh, so-called news organizations will do the same throughout the day today. So that's a little bit of a peek at uh, the other side of the story, the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say. One government video, though, shows these guys, and they're just, I mean, they, these two cops and, and the Viking walk up to these seven police officers. I mean, I counted them. I was going one, two, three, four, and they're just talking. I mean, seven and two, nine cops could have arrested that guy. They, there was no attempt. I mean, it was just a cordial conversation, and then they walk on, and they're showing him different stuff. Oh, boy. That's the world we live in. As we move away from God, we move away from common sense. And we move toward anarchy and chaos in our country. 
I was uh, interested. It caught my attention when I read that the New York City mayor. I knew he was a Democrat, and I thought, am I... Am I not reading this correctly, or is somebody misquoting him? Well, they weren't, and I was reading it correctly. But I found it very interesting when I saw that he made a statement the other day. He said, don't tell me about no separation of church and state. And he wasn't just talking to a person. He was talking to a convention, a whole bunch of people. When New York City Mayor Eric Adams, he's a Democrat, as I said, when he expressed his view publicly about the leftist ideas of Thomas Jefferson's promise to keep the government out of the church's affairs, the left began to push back immediately. They didn't. They like him, but they didn't like him when he said that. That's not the narrative. As you likely know, the left has inverted Jefferson's words to mean the exact opposite of what he actually said. I've talked about that a number of times on this program, but I don't think we can mention it too often because it's fundamental to the way America operates and the way we live day-to-day as a nation and as individuals within that nation. He had a great deal more to say about it, but most of the left-friendly press reported that they reported that that he was what he didn't mean that. He was trying to express something else. So he goes on and uh, he said, he said the separation of church and state, he, he said he was praising prayer in the schools. He said they shouldn't have taken that out of the schools. They should have left prayer in the schools. And that raised eyebrows even further. And it raised the ire of the civil libertarians and others that heard what he was saying. I mean, he is the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams. The New York Post wrote an article on it, along with another a, a number of other news sources, And the Post said the mayor, who has previously made no secret of his personal religious values, made his pitch for a more spiritual Big Apple at an annual breakfast of faith-based leaders in Manhattan. Here's what the mayor said. Don't tell me about no separation of church and state. State is the body, church is the heart. You take the heart out of the body, the body dies, (laughs) he said, the mayor. He said, I can't separate my belief because I'm an elected official. When I walk, I walk with God. When I talk, I talk with God. When I put policies in place, I put them in with a God-like approach to them. That's who I am. Mayor was speaking to this audience at New York Public Library's main branch. It's a big meeting room. There are a lot of people there. He said a lack of faith can be linked to everything from homelessness to domestic violence to guns in school. Well, as I said, the pushback was strong. It was extreme in some cases. He then appeared later on Sunday. He appeared on CNN's State of the Union show. He doubled down. They thought he would sort of back off. And this one gal, is Dana, she said, she said, you didn't really mean that. He goes, oh, yeah. He said, I really did mean that. And But he clarified. He said, I don't believe in an institutional union between church and state. He said, that's not what I believe in. He said, faith is who I am. And anyone who takes those words and stating that I'm going to try to compel people to follow my religion, no, I'm a child of God. I believe that holy, I'm going to follow the law. I'm not going to compel people who believe in whatever faith. These are his words that I'm quoting. I had to ask myself, is this Mayor Adams, is he a true biblical Christian among the religious left? who claim to be devoted Christians like the president and Nancy Pelosi and those guys? I don't know. They claim to be devoted Christians, and then they deny the truth of God's word, but this guy was speaking the truth. 
I don't know his heart or his beliefs concerning Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 tells us the Lord knows who are his. I can judge his, his fruit, his works, but I can't judge his heart. I don't know what's in his heart. But that's what he said. I don't know how he can believe what he said and be a part of the Democratic Party the way it exists today in America. It's not the old Democrat. It's, it's a new brand. I'm not speaking politically. I'm speaking spiritually, for the record. I don't know how he can function if he really believes what he said. I'm not questioning him. I'm just asking. I don't know how he can function as a Democrat within their political structure and their agenda and believe all of the things he said publicly and then said again on television on Sunday. But it does raise a very important question. Whatever Eric's real beliefs are, I don't know. I don't know him. It does raise an important question, though. What should the relationship between church and state actually be? I'd like to talk to you a little bit about that today. A few years ago, CBN, they published a, an article, uh, quite a lengthy article, and the title of it was, Why Separation of Church and State Was Never Intended to Mean Government Versus God. That title caught my attention here a while back, and I saved the, the article because it also, the article was built around comments by David Barton, Christian author Reverend Eddie Hyatt, author Jerry Newcomb, William Federer, and, uh, and lawyer Jeremy Dyes, who shows up in the news quite a bit. He, he uh, defends Christians uh, in front of judges often, including the Supreme Court. So I want to talk to you just a little bit this morning about a kind of a summary of some of their comments. I wrote an article on this today, and it's on our website on faith and freedom, faith, A-N-D, freedom, all one word, dot U-S, not dot com. That takes you to a place you, I don't want you to go. <laughs> no, there's a lot of faith and freedoms out there today. Trust me, there's even a Muslim group that has faith and freedom website. And there's some other Christian groups that now have them. They didn't have them when we uh, first used that name and incorporated around that name. But I've, we've added my name to our ministry now, the Faith and Freedom Ministry, because people were getting confused and they were sending their contributions to other organizations and then wondering why they got such a strange response from us and it wasn't from us and so on. So we've kind of worked that out now. And I think everybody sort of understands you know, where we're coming from, but... But the uh, it's on the the article is on our website today, faithandfreedom.us. But I think our founders and these guys agree, all of them. You probably know most of those names. They feared a forced and a cruel Christianity because people have done some very cruel things in the name of the Lord. Hyatt mentioned certain governments in this a long article of, from CBN, and you can read it all if you'd like. I'm, I've linked it, of course. But Hyatt mentioned certain governments used deadly force against dissenters who wanted to worship in their own way. He said those people were persecuted, burned at the stake. Some had their tongues cut out. The founders did not want that kind of Christianity. All of this kind of activity, see, was, was fairly fresh in the minds of our founding fathers. 
they knew about this stuff. We just go on as though, you know, in denial and so on. But David Barton added to that. He said, so that's the that's the context that that they have for the separation of church and state. It was never the church taking over the state. It was always the state taking over the church. He said that was the issue. And I've said that a dozen times on this program, and we'll keep saying it. Author Jerry Newcomb, who wrote about the Bible, he's written several books, but one of them is called The Book That Made America, and the book that made America is the Bible. That's the essence, the thread of the book. But he said they didn't want to have a national established Church of America like you have a Church of England, forcing people to believe something that they didn't believe in. They did not want any one national denomination to lord it over all of the others. Thus, the letter that Jefferson wrote was written to some worried Connecticut Baptist pastors. The letter was written in 1802, and it's become known as the Danbury Baptist Letter. And again, we've mentioned that a number of times on this program, but that's what this governor was talking about the other day, basically. I assume he knows this. And the press just went ballistic and are attacking one of their own. He's one of them. But he didn't say the right thing. Because there's a wall, David Barton said, because there's a wall of separation between church and state, quoting Jefferson. And so the way he used it, uh, Barton says, was he he said to the pastors, hey guys, the government's not going to stop religious activities. So Hyatt says the, the, the First Amendment erected a wall of separation that would protect them from any intrusion of the government. Do you believe the government intrudes into religion now or they are poised to do so when you see them arresting pastors who prayed in front of an abortion clinic? Of course, of course. That's where we are today. But in Jefferson's mind, the wall of separation was a unidirectional wall put there to keep the government out of the church, not to keep the influence of the church out of the government. And it wasn't a God versus government thing. It was the roles of God in our country in relationship to the people and in relationship to the government. Well, for about 150 years, no problem. But more liberal and progressive justices and judges begin to interpret that as meaning the government had to wall off any contact of faith in the public institution or the people in it. There was a significant loss of freedom as a result of this. William Federer says it's ironic that judges will say we have to maintain separation of church and state. They're quoting from Jefferson, and Jefferson in the Declaration said, all men are endowed by their creator within certain unalienable rights. He says here's Jefferson acknowledging that he believed in a creator, and they're using his phrase out of contact, out of context to prohibit a creator in our country. Of course they are, because they don't believe in creation. They are progressive. They don't believe in anything. It keeps changing all the time. Every day they take on new kinds of beliefs. It's fluid. There are no fixed values or truth. So the takeaway is simply, therein lies the great dilemma in our country today. You can't remove God from the equation, and if you do, we become just another second-rate country, wondering what went wrong. Hey, thank you for being with me today. It's always a pleasure and a privilege, and thank you for your support. We need it. 
Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. I'll see you tomorrow.